Hello, 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 and welcome to week three of the 52-week film project. Well, we are in week three, mate. How week are you feeling? Week three. I still feel fresh? alive. I feel ready. I feel fresh. Ready for another 49 weeks of film mania? Well, when you put it like that, I'm, I struggle more. But actually, no, I don't. <laughs> but yeah, really? I'm very excited for it, yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. And how are you doing today, my um, good friend? Not too bad. We've had a couple of busy days in the last since our last recording. We have. Yes. We have. We had uh, our graduation ball. That was so fun. Had a great yeah, time. That was good. The Jake, hangover's now out the way. I mean, Jake went to bed at two. I went to bed at six. There was a difference <laughs> in our states at this point. All right, mate. All right. <laughs> um, yes, no, we have had a busy few days, but you, as you mentioned last week on the podcast, got, you had a right treat. on Back, yeah. on, back on, what, the 3rd of June, you got to go and see the film of the day. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Indeed, yes. I got to see it at a special cast and crew premiere of the film. <laughs> I know, fancy, right? VIP. That's very swanky, isn't it? Um, no, yeah. So I so I got to watch it then. It was a great day. It was so fun. Um, the, everyone was, was five so days, lovely. Five days before it came out, right? Five days before it came out. So I got a lucky sneak preview, whereas you've unfortunately had to watch oh, it. I went to go and watch it at 9.45 this morning. <laughs> exactly. I'll tell you what, though. Again, like same with Solo, but I was, well, maybe not so much with Solo, but I was surprised by how many people there were in the cinema, especially in the screening of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I'd say about half the seats were taken yep. at 9.45. Bear in mind, that's the earliest morning showing. Like They have ones at 10.30, 11.30. So yeah, no, it was. Um, it's clearly going to be popular. I mean, considering like I was, I was looking back over because obviously this is the second in a trilogy, the new Jurassic Park trilogy, as it were. Um, and the last one was Jurassic World that came out in 2015. Yep. You caught up on that a few days ago because you hadn't indeed. seen it. No. I watched it back in the cinema back in 2015. And that film grossed $1.672 billion worldwide. It was a huge runaway success. Off really, a budget really of $150 million. So that was is, the budget. Like, so that, that budget was 150 million dollars, and it made 1.672 billion. That is a great example of a film, a film not needing not needing a huge, huge Hollywood budget and yeah, making no, so much money. They do quite a lot of it, and it, it, I, I looked it up earlier. It said it's the first film in cinematic history which had generated over 500 million dollars in a single weekend. Wow! Back in 2015, I don't know if that's been broken. Maybe by. Infinity War? I'm Infinity really... War probably has broken that. Possibly. It's really hard to know the data on Infinity War, though, because it's still airing in some cinemas. Yeah, no, true. Not... It, is, it is still going, isn't it? It is still going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so you, to be honest, you you weren't really, you don't, you're not really very big on the Jurassic Park franchise. No, Jurassic Park, I've I've known about it for years. It's, it's sort of in your cultural zeitgeist, if that if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. um, but so, so everyone knows about it to an extent. I... I don't, I've never really been that much of a kid fan of dinosaurs. So when I was a really? child. You didn't yeah, have a favourite? I never really had a favourite. Pterodactyl, mate. Pterodactyl. Yeah, Why? 100%. I just think they're amazing. They're the ones that can go everywhere. They've got those massive snappy beaks. I think especially in like, you haven't seen it, but Jurassic Park 3, which came out back in like 2001 or something. There's a brilliant scene where they're in like this aviary. This giant, like, well, it's not a bird aviary, it's like a, dino a dinosaur aviary. And they have this scene where they're kind of like all picked up by the pterodactyls and like chucked around and mm. everything. I just thought that was terrific. Like it was one of my favourite bits in in the franchise. See, I like the brontosaurus because it's nice and kind. The bronchosaurus? Bronchosaurus, not the brontosaurus. Is that one of the herbivores? That's, that's what, one the one of with the, the giant the fuck off massive neck. Massive neck, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. I like that one. It just gets sweet and nice. Yeah. 
So anyway, regardless, I kind of, I gave Will a bit of a reverse Jurassic Park <laughs> history. I, I forced you to watch Jurassic World the other day so that you kind of had something to come, like benchmark this film to. Yeah. Um, to kind of like get you used to the characters like Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Harper play. Um, but we also watched the original. We watched yes, the we 1993 Steven Spielberg Jurassic Park. And mate, I, I, I still love that film. It is incredible. And it blends a perfect mix of like animatronic, robotic dinosaurs. They use like the proper big machinery for the film. And they've also got some really early day CGI in there. Yeah, the CGI is it which stands is surprising. Up. It, it does like it stands the test of time. That film is twenty five years old now. It's twenty five years old, and it's it looks as beautiful. The sh- the shooting of the film is so cinematic, it's so vast. And you were saying um, what you expect from a Jurassic Park film is a sense of wonder, and I yeah. really got that with the first it, one. It, it completely it has that sense of wonder and spectacle. It also has very very intense suspenseful scenes like for example like the the velociraptor scene where the kids are hiding out in the kitchen they're being stalked by them and the velociraptor's claws kind of like tapping on the floor it's like as it's like moving along down the corridors and then you've got like obviously the t-rex scene where it breaks through and it's like attacking them in the cars i still think it was absolutely incredible like you like you were like jumping on the sofa it's very even though even though it's old and my god it's a pg like it's Compared to like what they rate films nowadays, like people weren't wusses back then and they expected no. kids to go and watch this. And I would say there are, there are real elements of horror in that original film. But a lot, like there's one moment to the kids, you see two kids terrified, bloodied up by this, by the, after, after, after being crushed in a car, chucked exactly. off a ledge, stuck in a tree. <laughs> Everything goes wrong. Covered in Everything shit goes wrong. and mud, and it's like pouring with rain like the whole time in that film. Like, no, I don't think there's a moment. Oh, the only moment where it's not raining that I can remember is that lovely scene where like Dr. Grant wakes up from his slumber with the two kids in the tree, and the bronchosaurus, your favorite mate, yeah. is like biting the leaves from below them. But that's it. Like you can have some of the most intense moments in a film, almost horror-esque scenes. And then it also matches it with these lovely bits of reminding you why the concept of Jurassic Park is so popular yeah. like even people that even though this is a film series I can still sit there and go fuck even though I know it would go pear-shaped if it was actually real as these more recent films show better yeah. than anyone um, I would still kind of want to see a dinosaur in real life no I'd, I'd find that incredible I mean you, all you need to do is go to the National History Museum see that skeleton and go that's imagine so cool imagine that imagine that like actually like wandering around and, exactly yeah and I think that's what the original Jurassic World did back from 2015 it did quite a good job of that film kind of setting it all up it's a new park but also it's a lot more high tech and you had like the almost like the take on SeaWorld with the giant uh, megalodon what's it called it's not a megalodon that's the it's shark it's a massasaurus or something Ooh. I know did I know. I did look this up I did look this up, I did look this up. <laughs> because I was like I, I'm going to call it whale thingy massive saurus exactly massive saurus that's pretty Might much well what it says it. on the screen but skin. it's got that bit hasn't it where they're like you're sitting down it's almost like a shamu SeaWorld show and they've got like some bait I don't know what, what is it that they hang it's up it's a shark like, it's a live up, shark a live up. shark that it jumps up to bite and it's it's great well, it's really good that's what I liked about when I watched Jurassic World is it, it re-established the sense of wonder that, I, that we watched in the first film yeah. I was like wow it does the first sequence especially for the first hour you're like 
wow, this place is incredible. What, what could possibly things? go wrong? What could possibly go <laughs> I wrong? I wonder what will happen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was since the guy was wearing that Jurassic Park t-shirt, I was like, oh, foreshadowing. Yeah. Foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so now jumping into this next film. Fallen uh, Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom. Uh, we start the film. Um, they're back at the island. It's quite um, a cool opening scene. It's a very cool opening scene. Yeah. It's sort of, again, raining. Um, raining and dark. And um, it's shady shady Marine Corps guys sneaking back onto the island to obtain something, which is obviously like going to some big rich company that yeah. are going to develop another new scary dinosaur like the Indominus Rex from Jurassic World. Um, and it's it, it, it's cool, isn't it? It's like a small rescue op and they go down into like, basically the big the scary dinosaur in Jurassic World was the Indominus Rex, yeah. which was like the genetic hybrid, really evil, fucked up thing. And that was killed at the end by the Matosaurus. Yeah, so um, its skeleton yeah. is still in... The, the pool, air, the, like the whatever the the pool area is, where that massive saurus was kept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they go down, they retrieve a bit of its like skeleton, um, thinking, oh, whatever's in here must have died. This is like yeah. the first in a long line of how the hell did they not think something would go wrong moments yeah, again, in this what film? Could possibly go um, wrong. And it all goes pear-shaped. A T-Rex comes out and bites one of the guys and tries to, like, they have this whole sequence where this guy's trying to get back on the helicopter and the T-Rex has grabbed, like, the rescue rope that was thrown down to him. All I had in my head throughout that was the Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, get back to the chopper! <laughs> yeah, it's like that. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, obviously, like, the two guys that are in this little pod that have gone down into the water, they're fucked. Like, it, it's the classic Jaws thing where you just see this giant, like, set of teeth lurking behind them and you, you yeah. don't even see them get eaten do you, you just know like no, yeah, that's it, it like, built they're not suspense. I was there was I was like okay this is a very I was I was it set the tone for being a suspense film yeah that's what I thought at the beginning of it but yeah no that opening is really cool and obviously it sets up the generic pretty much the same concept as last time someone some big company kind of thing wants to develop another crazy scary dinosaur for to, some kind of commercial purpose yeah uh, um, scientists who are trying to play god yeah um for the for a company so yeah. it is it is retreading similar territory but the, if you give a rough outline of the film, it basically is the first half, it sets up this kind of like socio-political commentary where basically the characters from Jurassic World are now kind of, they've gone their separate ways. Chris Pratt, he plays, is it Owen Brady he's called? Owen Grady. Right, the, the, yeah, the yeah, tough yeah. like animal behaviourist guy who raised the velociraptors and raised Blue, who is, who is pretty, constantly mentioned pretty much, he's an ex-Navy. Yeah, he's in the ex-Navy. He's moment. the ex-Navy guy. Yep. Um, <laughs> Blue's pretty much the main dinosaur involved, isn't it? They've got their, yep. like, it, it, this film continues the relationship between Chris, Chris Pratt, Pratt and, and a CGI dinosaur. Um, but it is quite emotional. Yeah, um, it is. But anyway, the concept is this island is going to blow. There's an active volcano, the, the island from the first film. All the dinosaurs are stranded on it. And Claire, who was the manager of the park in the first Jurassic World, She's now leading an activist group to try and get the dinosaurs off the island. It sparked this whole kind of like it does this interesting thing where it's like the BBC are reporting on it. And um, I was I was quizzical about that. Why wasn't an American company? Is that because the film shot in the UK? Not sure, but it was or a nice touch. It... I, I don't know if like maybe Americans look at it and go, "Oh, cool." But like as a Brit, I looked at it and went, "Oh, cool." Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's not really that. It's a weird bit of patriotism. It, it's not really that <laughs> impressive, but it was like oh, it was cool. Nice it's BBC touch. News. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But then, so the idea is the the Senate, the US Senate decide now, 
fucking, we're not going to help these de-extinct dinosaurs because if we do, they're probably going to take over the world. And then you have the first appearance of Jeff Goldblum. Um, Jeff Goldblum, who's... Dr. Ian Malcolm. Ian Malcolm, yep. he makes this reprisal. He's only in it at the very start and the very end, doing exactly the same thing he did in the first film. He's pouting and he's saying something incredibly intelligent about chaos theory and trying to sound all like exactly. wise. Um, but he is right at the end of the day. No, he is. And no, he um, is. for all of his smugness, he doesn't know what's going to happen. Um, but basically, Claire gets, um, she she reaches out to this very, very rich guy who was friends with the original um, Dr. Hammond. Is that who, brought up in any of Jurassic Park 2 or 3? That there I is don't, a second I can't guy. remember. Because I, was I don't know whether this. that's been worked into the plot or not. But anyway, there's another rich benefactor who owns the Lockwood estate, yep. which is basically Croft Manor for anyone that's watched the yep. Tomb Raider films. Um, and he, this old man and his like young, um, he's played by Rafe Spall, who's a British actor. You might've recognized him from like White Christmas, yep. the Black Mirror episode. He's in Life of Pi as well. He plays Jan Martell, who's the author of Life right. of Pi. Right, yeah, yeah, that's true. He's one of these he's, people who's underused, but very good in everything he is. He is pretty good. He is pretty yeah. good. Um, he hasn't quite had his big break no um, he's not his role that's like that is an acting role that is done very very well but anyway he's the classic archetypal insert villain here yeah. like he is essentially entrusted to look after this rich Lockwood man's fortune and Lockwood was friends with Dr. Hammond and he wants to take all the dinosaurs and put them on a safe island that he's like vetted no visitors anything just a place where they can it's live it's a conservation island yeah. yeah it's a lovely idea and Claire nibbles right into it and this Rafe sort of nipples right into it. This Rafe guy is essentially meant to be overseeing it, but is ulterior motive, obviously. He wants to take all the dinosaurs off the island, sell them to the highest bidder, and he's working with Dr. Henry Wu, who is the snaky Asian snaky. snaky guy from Jurassic World and from the original Jurassic Park yep. films. He's like the head scientist who made the Indominus Rex, and he's now trying to make another new. Exactly. Crazy dinosaur called the Indoraptor. Yes. It's not even like they try. It's like that, those memes where it's like, can I borrow your homework? Yeah, sure. Just uh, just change it up a little bit so it doesn't look exactly the same. Like, <laughs> it's pretty much the same principle. No, yeah. Um, Claire then recruits um, Chris Pratt's character, Owen. Because they obviously, they want to find Blue, the Velociraptor, because yep. she's a hot commodity that is needed for the DNA. Um, also, if you're expecting a amazing love story from this film between oh, Claire so and Owen, cheesy. very cheesy <laughs> problems. It's, it's, so it's, it's essentially the same kind of thing. In the first film, in the Jurassic World film, sorry, um, the, the Claire and Owen meet up and they're like, oh, we went on our first date. It didn't go well. It's how, like how, how slightly male chauvinist, kind of cutesy, not really that involved yeah. romantic storyline. It's exactly like loads of people that I was reading reviews, they were saying that like the the dynamic between Claire and Owen gets better in this film. I don't think it does. I think it's more of the same. It's more of the same. There's not really any more depth to the characters. Um, I think it's quite sweet. I think one of the things that this new trilogy really rests on is the dynamic between Blue, the Velociraptor, and Owen. Mm. And at several points, like for example, when they go onto the island to... Well, they think that they're rescuing the dinosaurs, but in reality, these marines are kind yep. of just taking them to be sold. Yep. Um, when they meet Blue, it's very sweet to see them like back together again, and Blue like recognizes him, and it takes her a little bit of time. Like he he chucks her a bit of meat as a treat, and she doesn't take it. Like hits her on the nose, it mm. goes down because she, you know, she's been left on this island. She's been stranded by him, who is essentially the imprint. So he's mm. like essentially the mother figure to her. And in context to the last film, um, Blue 
teamed up with the um, Indominus Rex because they were some slightly raptor related. <laughs> because so, because that's exactly how these things work. <laughs> yeah, and then you switch sides back to switch sides back in the end. But I mean, there's always a bit of tension there because they're dinosaurs. You don't know if they're going to eat his head off again, yeah. nibble his head off. But no, like it is a nice dynamic that they have that goes through the film and. They've, they've got some good, interesting side characters in this film. This yep. new one, they, and one new addition is a character called Franklin, who's played by like, what's the name of the actor? Uh, the name of the actor. Hold um, on, I've got it here. His name, Justice Smith. Justice Smith. Yeah. So he, for anyone that might have watched what I think is one of the best things on Netflix, but was cancelled after one season. Jake's putting his hands up like holler. It's <laughs> like a, a painful thing for me. <laughs> um, he was in The Get Down, which was a brilliant series about growing up in the Bronx and DJs and like Grandmaster Flash. And not all that related kind of stuff. to the film. No, not no, not oh, related to this. No, no, no. Just, just, he's no. the he's the actor from yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he is hilarious. He plays this nerdy, weedy guy who's part of Claire's activist team, and he has a really funny dynamic because he goes onto the island with them, and he's got this great, great kind of like back and forth with Owen throughout the film because Owen's like the manliest man possible. Yeah. Chris Pratt's character. I like that. I like that. It's like it's there's one level of like really masculine masculinity, and it's also like I'm just trying to do my best. I yeah, like yeah, yeah. And it was, I thought there was a really good bit where they first meet on like the plane when they're flying to the island and they're talking and Owen says something like, um, I rode my motorbike through the woods with a load of raptors once. And then Franklin turns to him and goes like, yeah, we're not compatible. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. It is, it is really, really funny. I do like that. There's another, what's the other character Zia. called? Zia. The other character's name is Zia. Yeah, female character who's like a medic or something. Because she's, she's a medic who I think used to work at the island but wasn't seen in the first one. Yeah. And she's now... She's also part of Claire's activist team. Yeah. What's interesting is I was looking at looking up characters, character bios on uh, Wikipedia. Yeah. She's an ex-Marine. Oh, wow. When is that mentioned in the film? It's not. It's not. But that that what? Well, but she's well, she's next marine in the film. In the, the character, the character, the character is next marine rather than the person next marine. Oh right, w was that mentioned? No, I don't think so. No, I just it was. <laughs> I don't think you even. And, like, and how old is she? Like twenty three? Like know, how has she had time to be a marine? I have no idea. I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, "What? That? Why? Why even add that?" Yeah. But she is quite tough. She like they, strong female leads in this film. Like they they like both her and Bryce Dallas Harper's Claire. They Howard. do. Bryce Dallas Howard, sorry. It's quite a mouthful, that name, isn't it? I always think of it quite as... Like I can a, never tell whether I like her as an actress or not. I think that in these, she plays a pretty typical, like, action-adventure heroine. Yeah. Like, she has some funny moments. It's all pretty standard. Doesn't really break any barriers for no, me. No, she's fine. Like, she's... Yeah, she's... And I haven't really seen her in much else other than she's in a Black Mirror episode. She's in Nosedive, which is the beginning of season three in Black Mirror. And she's good in that. She's very, very it's good. Quite a, it's quite a light-hearted, funny Black Mirror, isn't it, yeah, that episode? Yeah. I, do, I do like it. And she plays, like, a cutesy woman who's trying to get, like, high ratings from people in a world where everyone's, like, ranked by each other kind of thing. I will and say... And she that, plays that well. I will say that in this film, I think she's a lot better than in the last film. I liked her, I liked her in the last film. You think so? Yeah. I, th I think that as much as they... I felt like I liked her more. And I know that's. I know that was the whole dynamic of the second one is that she was originally she was right but misguided and yeah. had this weird um, relationship with her sister's kids and etc. But in this film, I liked her more. I thought she yeah. was just a bit more natural with everything. I think the thing is as well, you, like you can split this film into two halves. Oh yes, you can basically you can split it into 
the half where they're persuaded to go back to the island before the volcano explodes to rescue, in quotation marks, the dinosaurs. Then when they get there, they're double crossed in like the cheesiest way possible. Um, They're essentially like the three, the four of them are left for dead and they have to like make their way back to the ship to kind of survive the volcano. Well, Zia is captured by the soldiers and is is told to look after Blue because Blue is injured in the the car that happens. In in the fray, yeah. So Blue, Blue gets shot after Owen gets double-crossed while he's trying to like yep. get her back. Um, Owen's left for dead. And then Franklin and Claire are also left for dead in a bunker where they were kind of overseeing everything with like the tracking devices in, yep. the, in the dinosaur so that he knew where everyone was. And then, and then the volcano explodes. Um, and the, one of the most ridiculous bits in the film, I think you know what I'm about to talk about. I think I know exactly is, what you're about to talk about. Essentially... Chris Pratt is left sedated on the floor <laughs> and then lava starts trickling into the woods where he is and he kind of wakes up and he can't move because he's still heavily sedated so he's kind of like trying to twitch his arms or whatever and this lava is like coming ever closer to him and he like, you watch him kind of like fumble himself over a fallen down tree. Yep. It's like to kind of get away from the lava. He's like pushing himself with like one arm behind his back. It's the only way and, he's moving. And the music the whole time is like... Dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, dun. You're thinking like, fuck, is he going to make it? And he's like trying to like scramble, half scramble. <laughs> like, with like one working hand and half a leg moving. Like he's like trying to scramble over this thing. Yeah. He's then fine and after a bit. It, it, yeah, and then he gets up and then he's capable of full motor function running, <laughs> running away from the volcano like five seconds later. Hmm. Um... But they all essentially, they, 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 the three of them regroup and they're all legging it away from this volcano and all the dinosaurs are coming hurtling past them. Like this is, I'd say, like the coolest bit in the film. It is. It's, it's, it's a beautiful They're scene. like, they're yeah. all running for the sea, basically. And they find one of those pods from the first film, which are the things that you could go around in, like a Zorb The gyrosphere. Gyro, oh, is that what it's called? Gyrosphere. It's called the gyrosphere. Will with his knowledge. Oh, literally, just, yeah, just, <laughs> just helping him out, mate. Um, they find one of those and... They have a whole sequence where they're like trying to get in it, but these dinosaurs are fighting around them. Mm. And eventually they do. And Franklin and Claire hurtle down towards the sea and they crash. I think it's the coolest shot I've seen in a Jurassic Park film, even if I prefer the old ones more, where like the pod crashes into the water and it's like fire around everything. And you see one by one, all of these dinosaurs like crashing into the water as well. Like a stegosaurus comes down, like they all come hurtling past. Mm. And there's this whole sequence which I thought was really well shot where like the water starts coming into the pod and it all seems to be shot by one camera inside the pod and it's a really cool way of doing it where like Chris Pratt is on the outside swimming around it trying to like shoot shoot the door open or like wrench it open with his knife and they're like trying to like step back or like kick through it and it's and then filling you constantly up more see, and more. Yeah, you constantly see that going going up and going. It's like it pans down to the water, then pans up, and then as the scene goes on, you you see that the the water level is exactly set the same level as the camera. Yeah. It's very frenetic. And, yeah. It is wicked, and I, I think that's one of the best bits. And then they they eventually get off the island. They sneak back onto the marine boat, and there's like. Oh, mate, the most heartbreaking bit in the whole film. Yes! I, where, like, they're all looking out as the ships depart in the island, the island's blowing up. And my and favourite dinosaur oh, as well. Will's favourite dinosaur. My favourite dinosaur. Is on the edge of the harbour, like, mere metres from where the boat just left, and it's, like, crying. Yeah. And then you like, just see it get engulfed in smoke as, oh, as they go. It's, oh, it's, mate, it's, it's horrible. 
I will say that for me, that is where the film ends. (laughs) That's where it should end. That's where it should end, no doubt. Um, (laughs) This is where we get critical. This is the end of of part one of the film. And so let's let's do analysis of part one. Really enjoyed it. Good themes. High octane. Sets everything up well. Interesting enough characters. Nice new additions to the franchise from Zia and Franklin. The lava scene is incredible. <laughs> Hilariously incredible. Hilariously incredible. Um, like, not believable at all, but an incredible it, thing to watch. It's cool to tread back over like the dilapidated theme part that like, they go through it. You see all the things from the first film that are now like smashed to shit, yeah. or like vines are growing up them. Like everyone loves an abandoned theme park. Like I think most of Buzzfeed exactly. exists because of pictures of abandoned <laughs> theme parks. Um, uh. So yeah, all right. I tell you what, if you had to give the first half of the film a rating, what would you give it? Um, I'd give it. I'd give it a solid seven out of ten. I'd go a bit lower, but I'd, I'd go six point five. But, all right, all right, 6.5. but near enough, near enough. Right, I enjoyed 6.5, it. Six point five seven. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I don't think it was better than the first film, um, but it is. It is really entertaining. Um, then you have the second half of the film, which basically just consists of them sneaking back with all the dinosaurs and marines to Croft Manor. I can't remember what it's actually called. There's a scene in the boats where they have to fix Blue up so they go into a um, T-Rex pen. That's quite cool, actually. That's a bit of cool. Where they they, they take blood from a T-Rex while it's sedated to give to transfuse blue to save her life yeah and then like and the t-rex like wakes up while owen's still in there and he has to like jump through its mouth and out which for anyone that's seen the trailers you you'll know what we're talking about oh yeah at this at this point i'm just going to pause and say jurassic world a fallen kingdom do better job on your publicity because everything that's in the film without spoiling it is mostly seen in the trailers by and large by there and isn't large. there isn't really a lot there isn't really a lot that happened in the film that was unexpected no and some of the stuff storyline wise does happen in the second half that was i think they they were really excited about kind of keeping behind closed doors doesn't have the dramatic effect that i think they think it had no like for example there's a whole narrative going through the film of this rich Lockwood guy, he has a granddaughter called Maisie Mm -hmm. and she's kind of, slowly as the film progresses, she's like sneaking around their manor and finding out what Rafe's ball, what his villainous plan is. Um, And then eventually when Owen and Claire sneak in and turn up, she teams up with them to kind of like help stop what's going on, which is essentially like a dinosaur auction to rich oligarchs and people from all around the world that want to buy them to use them as weapons. Um, And one of the kind of narrative hints all the way through the film is they keep like hinting back to who is Maisie's mother. Yeah. And like the granddad won't like really explain it. And like He has a photo book that he goes to bed with every night and he he won't let her her see see the picture of of her mother. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually it's kind of the twist is revealed that she's actually a clone of the mother who died in a car crash. Of the mother who died in a car crash. And the reason why this rich Lockwood guy and Hammond, the original Jurassic Park man, who seemingly was his best mate, the reason they fell out is because Hammond didn't agree with the fact that he'd made a human clone and kept yeah. it quiet. And when I say that into the mic, it sounds I actually like... feel like it sounds like a really touching, really interesting thing to add to a film. But it is... I, I, I thought it was done in a really shit way. It's a long, it's a longish film, and it's uh, the cloning narrative is only really mentioned three to four times. But also, you find out, and then great, 
so what? Yeah, there's no like, consequences. There, 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 there's there's, no, consequences there's no consequences. All it really surmounts to is by the end of the film, the key crew, including Maisie, the little girl, have the choice as to whether they release all the dinosaurs mm-hmm. onto the mainland, which is the whole point of Claire's activist kind of mindset, or do they leave them to die and be done with it all? And it's quite literally written into the script. It's a like, do they push the big red button or not? There's yep. there's a fucking big red button as if it couldn't be even more stereotypical. The music swoons. Um, Who knows what's going to happen? And, and Claire decides not to do it. And then as they're looking at all the dinosaurs that are about to die because of like a carbon it's monoxide a radiation thing, I don't happened. know what it is. Uh, blue, I've, I worked it out, Blue knocked over a canister. I've not, I actually have no idea so where it a, happened in the film. No, neither do I. But I, I is that why? Wikipedia. Right, okay. So Blue knocked over a canister blue knocks over it was attacking In someone. like the underground bunker yeah, below this. And the canister's thing. filled with the poisonous gas. Brilliant. Yep. Anyway, Claire decides <laughs> not to do it and her and Chris Pratt look out kind of like sort of sad but feeling like they've made the right decision at the dinosaurs as they're dying and then the door opens and you turn around and realise that clone Maisie has decided to press the button. Because she's one with the dinosaurs. Yeah, because she understands that if some, even if something isn't born and it was made in the test tube, it deserves the right to live. Yep. And the whole reason for the clone storyline is simply to give someone else the impetus to, to release button, the dinosaurs. To push that button, and yeah. I just thought it was so basic, so generic. Mm. I just, oh, I thought they, the concept of having a clone character was so interesting. Yeah. And it just like, it surmounted to nothing. It was for squandered. Me. It was. It really was squandered. Also, I mean, I wrote some notes on my phone about this kind of second half of the film, just about things like, I know that Jurassic Park films aren't meant to be realistic, but. When characters start doing things that are so stupid that you think even if I was in <laughs> even if I was in that situation, I would react differently or better. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? When that keeps happening, which it does in the last like 45 minutes of the film, I completely lose all suspension of disbelief mm. because I think, no, this is just this isn't working for me. I'm getting too frustrated by what's happening. It's also it's like a silly Scooby-Doo chase. At the last 45 minutes of the film is like a... It's and like, everything, ev- like the original Jurassic Park goes at a much slower pace and it's better for it because it's realistic mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, it's scary and the humans are reacting in ways that you, you genuinely think you would do in that situation. Um, but in this, I mean, if I, I'm looking at... Have a look at my list with me, Will. Like <laughs> there's a bit where Maisie discovers the Indoraptor in a cage down in the bunker and she screams and she runs away and she runs into Rafe's ball and she goes, what is that? Like in a terrified voice. And I sat there thinking, what? As if being right next to the cage of a different dinosaur would be any less scary. No, exactly. Like as a person who's never seen a dinosaur in real life, are you so desensitised to dinosaurs in general that the Indoraptor is the only one you're scared of? I have a real problem with the fact that they have to make an Indoraptor to, to be the main... The dinosaurs apparently aren't scary anymore, apart from if it's a genetically modified, yeah, sociopathic dinosaur. No, it is. And, and that's the thing is, I think these new films are trying, they're almost falling on their own sword because they're kind of an allegory for consumerist capitalist yep. culture. How can you make but, a dinosaur bigger, better and um, for the next film? Yeah. But 
not only are they mocking that in real life, but they're actually they're actually doing it with the films. Yeah. Because the things that were so brilliant about the original Spielberg films were there weren't any ridiculous science genetic hybrid creatures. They were just real dinosaurs and they were genuinely scary because Spielberg wasn't afraid to stand there and say, dinosaurs are terrifying. You don't have to up the ante so much. Yep. Look at them. That is scary. Like the T-Rex car scene in the original that is scary. And they even address that in the Jurassic um, World film in 2015. One of the characters says, yes, I, w- I wouldn't have made one dinosaur. These are not what they look like, but you wanted more teeth. Yeah. And they, the fact that it's even in the storyline, it's like it, your your whole thing is kind of like a paradox of I, itself. I think these films are a representation of how desensitised people are to this kind of concept in films mm. and also how saturated film audiences are because... The fact that the people making these films, these Jurassic World trilogies, need to rely on those kinds of like up in the ante tactics. The people that are essentially the the guys that are making the dinosaur films aren't placing enough faith in the dinosaurs. Like you see the T Rex about three or four times in this film. Again, he obviously plays the hero, like he does in every Jurassic Park film, but he's not scary. He's not formidable. I was scared the other day when we watched Jurassic Park 1993 version yeah, we're and the T-Rex comes in yeah, and it doesn't have that same impact anymore. No. I'm, I'm going to do a really weird tangent, tangent, but I think this point is the exact same point. When in Doctor Who, the Dalek was brought back for the first time, it was a singular Dalek and it was terrifying um, because it could do so much things. There was real human consequences. Whereas now with the series, all the Daleks are in different colours. There's always an army of them. It takes away, it's like every single time there's a new Dalek episode, they have to top it. Yeah. And they have to make a new special Dalek that can do all the things that Dalek, like, Dalek couldn't do before. And it's like, that's not the point. That's not the point. The reason they're scary is because of their flaws as well as their their strengths. It's all, It's almost like when you over-explain a point, quite like me and you are doing right now, <laughs> <laughs> it, um, it loses its impact. Yeah. Sorry. And yeah. I, I, no, I, li- I literally, that's it. There's side note, side. Other things that piss me off, like Claire and Owen are put in a jail cell in this bunker while the auction's going on. In the cell next to them is this little dinosaur with like a boulder for a head that for some reason they decided, yeah, let's sedate it for a bit and hope it doesn't wake up in this concrete cell wall, like in this cell with concrete walls. Because it would very obviously just be able to smash through them yeah. with its massive bulldozing head. And lo and behold, how do Claire and Owen get out? This dinosaur wakes up, because it's not sedated enough, and Owen whistles to get it to smash through the fucking doors exactly. for them. Why on earth is it not being kept in a metal gridded cage like all the other dinosaurs? Also, it took years and years and years of a whole career for Owen to bond to the blue, and yet he can just snap his fingers and then the dinosaurs just fall, fall around for him. No, yeah. no, ridiculous. Also, like the auction prices of the dinosaurs was a fucking <laughs> joke. So the Indoraptor, for example, like the big, the ultimate like warfare weapon as it's described in the film and kind of in the auction. What does it sell for in the it's end? Like 29 $29 million. dollars. Like how much did this whole search and rescue mission cost? Exactly. Like, like you're how not m- making your dollar back essentially. No, so they're making a loss by selling all these dinosaurs. No, it's the stupidest they, plan in the world. They've they've made like I just didn't get that. And then, and then Toby were, they, Jones says at the beginning, "Oh, I don't do anything less for 140 million." And I was like, "Well, you just have. You've just sold a, the most dangerous dinosaur in the world for one well, of the most dangerous animal or maybe yeah. even weapon in the world for 29 yeah. million dollars." And then there's another one that he describes as like built like a tank. And it goes for 10 million. 
Yeah. Like, no, it is absolutely ridiculous. I refuse to believe, especially when, like, a mountain search and rescue mission in the UK, if you're, like, trapped on a mountain in, like, the Lake District, that ends up door-to-door costing about a million pounds. Exactly. Like, that's how much, like, the travel insurance for that stuff, like, bulks, like, the excess adds up to to cover that kind of thing. Are you telling me that a mission involving, like, 6,000 men, trained military personnel, shit tons of vehicles to an island in the middle of Costa Rica during an active volcano explosion and a voyage all the way back costs less than $100 million. Exactly. Absolutely ridiculous. I do not get... And, and Rafe Spall's like, eyes are lighting up when he sees all the money. It's like, are you fucking nuts? Did you look at the bill for like getting them here in the yeah, first place? Yeah, exactly. It reminds me of that Austin Powers scene where he's been stuck in time and he comes back and he's like, I will I will, I will, will steal a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's literally that, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? But yeah, and then like the whole thing, like eventually like all the people have to run out of the auction because that little bulldozing dinosaur comes in yeah um, and the little bull- bulldozing dinosaur gets more hits in throughout the whole film <laughs> it's like than a bowling ball it's it literally <laughs> the indoraptor is less of an impressive dinosaur than this tiny dinosaur with a big head <laughs> it's kind of cute it's like, I thought it was really over, like even though it's a strong little like it's a strong yeah. little bulldozing dinosaur I think it's a dinosaur. or something like that Stereosaurus yeah. but like I also thought it was grossly unrealistic how far it knocked people flying like it would hit someone in the chest and the person would then go like 15 metres across the room. Yeah. No, absolutely insane. And then the Indoraptor is just fucking left in the auction room in its like giant metal cage where everyone was viewing it. And like the head marine guy who was part of the like capture mission yep. comes in and he's got this like little thing where he like pulls the teeth out of the dinosaurs and he collects them, right? And he, he shoots two sedating darts at the Indoraptor, the most dangerous weapon in the world. And then he gets in the cage to try and take one of its teeth. And obviously the Indoraptor is like fucking with him, but it's pretending to play knocked out so that it can kill him. Classic Jurassic Park. But it's the simple fact that to get into this giant metal container holding the most dangerous dinosaur in the world, it's the same as like a farm gate where you just <laughs> you just you just lift up the lever yeah. with one hand. He's he's doing it with one hand. Turn it to the left and the gate swings open. And also Are you kidding me? Also in Jurassic Park, the first film, the 1990 version, they know how to open doors. <laughs> they make the point. They make the point. Velociraptors know how to open doors. Oh well. <laughs> I know, I know. There's something. It's problems. too much. Shall it's we talk much. about the culminating scene on the roof? Or is that gonna be send oh, you too far? <laughs> oh yeah, and then like cue like this ridiculous like sort of pseudo gothic sequence where the Indoraptor stalks them through the Lockwood estate. Yeah. And then Chris Pratt and Maisie, the little girl, are faced with this choice of maybe like running down four other routes off the roof or deciding to clamber onto the greenhouse roof, which has no possible exit whatsoever, but just looks good for the film. Yeah. Um, and the Indoraptor, lo and behold, climbs up there on with them. And eventually Claire kind of like tricks it into like running at Chris so that it can then fall down through yeah, the greenhouse and blue roof. Or something. Blue also helps like, in some way. Blue, like, yeah, delivers the finishing blow. But it so conveniently falls into the atrium through this roof, what right onto like spiky yeah. dinosaur bones. Mm. Like, what was going to happen if it just fell through and landed on the floor? They'd carry on for another 20 minutes trying to kill this thing. Like, oh, it just, so many it just problems. Very silly. Or like, like, the Indoraptor, like, sneaks into Maisie's room at one point, which sounds every bit as weird. As <laughs> it's it. so weird. It's like Maisie decides, I know, 
I'm not going to try and hide under my bed in my bedroom. No. I'm going to just get into my bed, not even fully cover myself, keep my head above the covers <laughs> and just fucking hope that it doesn't come in here. Yep. And then it, lo and behold, comes in through the window and it's like about to get her with its claws. And then Chris Pratt comes bounding in with his gun. He's like, Maisie, don't move. And then he, he shoots it three times with a machine gun and then stops firing. Yeah. Why on yeah. earth? Like he sees it like stagger back and then he just stares for a bit. Why on earth would you not just carry on unloading the clip on it? Exactly. Like why on earth like, would you it's stop It's not like dinosaurs shooting? are bulletproof. It's not like the bullets like fade out. Like you're no. going to kill and it. He sees, he sees three, three bullets has injured it. Like yeah. it, it's, it's weakened back. Keep shooting it. Like, oh, mate. Problems with part Problems. Two. Problems, problems with problems. part two. Um, well, moving on from this then, shall we talk about our Rotten Tomatoes reviews? Yeah, mate. Still don't have a jingle. <laughs> Still don't have one. Um, yeah, so I, I think that this was, I don't know about you, but when I looked through the Rotten Tomato things a couple of hours ago, it's chock full of, I mean, it, it holds the 63% on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment, which means that it's got a lot of people that don't like it and a lot of people that think it's average. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't that hard to find some really funny no. shit. Um, what did you have for most accurate description Hang of on, the you film? Do, you do yours first. Essentially, okay. what's just happened is my phone has decided to Okay, go. so my most accurate description of the film was from Paul Whittington from the Irish Independent. And he said, while Fallen Kingdom gets a little too frantic and busy for its own good late on, very fair, mm -hmm. it's a worthy addition to the franchise and will surely earn a sequel. Yeah. I think the way it ends with the dinosaurs like coming out onto mainland it's leaving it up for an interesting follow-up. I think the final film in the series is definitely already confirmed. I think it could be quite fun. It's something that they haven't yep. done. The, I, the idea of the dinosaurs coexisting on the planet with them and seeing well, what happens with that. Um, I do think it deserves a sequel. I think the first half is really terrific. I'd like I to just see if they it, get the director who did Jurassic World, the original, back in. Yeah. That, that, that would seem interesting. Do you know who that was? Uh, Chris Trevorrow. He also did the writing on this film. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, and there was a... It's J.S. Bayona? Bayona or whatever. Yeah, yeah he's, he's the guy that directed this one, isn't he? Yeah, and he's a, he's a niche Spanish director. Okay. And I was listening to a um, film review of Jurassic World by Mark Commode, who I'm a big fan of. And he was saying... Shout that, out Mark Commode. Shout out Mark Commode. If you are listening... We see you. <laughs> we see you. I love that man. Um, but he said that the film to him looks like 30% of J.S. Bayona's like, style with 70% of like corporate business around it. Okay. And, and so, which I understand. A too I many really, cooks situation. Too many cooks. Yes, exactly. So what would, what would you, what's your most accurate description? Um, this is from Lindsay Barr from the Associated Press. Um, and she says, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom gets away with its unoriginality for the most part, but this franchise, but, but this franchise's desperation is starting to show. It's time to evolve or go extinct. Okay. I think that makes sense. I think... I, I agree that for most of the film, like I came out of the film, I enjoyed the film. There were some real problems with part two. I, I struggled with a lot of things, but it, got, it did get away with it. Like people come out of this film thinking, oh, it was all right. I yeah, it was that. still enjoyable. Yeah. Like I liked it. I just think the whole Lockwood Estate sequence kind of dragged for me and it became very unrealistic. Yep. But I think they have set it up for something that could be quite cool. And it's something, like you said, like what does it say? Evolve or get extinct. Evolve or get extinct. Yeah, so I, I do think that they are evolving with this next film. And I think it's probably going to be the most radical one that they've done. Yeah. Hopefully it will do really well. Maybe it will flop. Who knows? Yeah, I have um, hope for it. For most savage, most savage cr critic quote. God, I'm all teeth and lips today, mate. <laughs> um, I got it from Courtney Howard from Fresh Fiction. 
and she said, this sequel takes what goodwill we had, douses it in kerosene, lights a match and laughs as the flames burn higher and higher. <laughs> Dear me. What a manic thing to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, they so they so they liked the yeah they thought it was yeah. great yeah, like ground, groundbreaking stuff yeah yeah <laughs> what about you for most savage uh, mine's quote? from a guy called Dan Callahan and he says how hard is it to make running away from a rampaging dinosaur look look a little exciting <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's true no, of this film yeah it's lost the suspense it lost like, the suspense. like even in like the opening scene a guy is running towards a helicopter away from the T Rex and it's just I wasn't there like fuck 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 is he gonna make it yeah. whereas in the first one. Even when, I, even when we watched it the other day, still feel it. Yep, definitely. There is something not there. Um, for funniest quote, again, like I mean, the funniest ones are going to be savage with this film. Mm -hmm. uh, I got it from Rowan Nahar from the Hindustan Times. And he says, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is a new low for the iconic series. Extinction is the only cure. Extinction is the only cure? <laughs> Oof. I thought it was quite good. Yeah, it's good. It, they're bound to have extinction. Like anyone that doesn't like this film is bound to make an extinction game. I will say there's been like evolve or extinction things. Is extinct, extinct, every, extinct. Yeah. The, yeah, if you go on like the rotten reviews. Yeah. Like. Uh, my funniest is from Robbie Collin um, from wherever. He's just always on BBC. He's on Radio 5. Love the man. Okay. Um, yeah, the funniest one is exactly why would anyone visit a dinosaur infested island for a fifth time when all four previous excursions have ended in ended in limp-gobbling pandemonium. <laughs> no, limp so true. Limp-gobbling Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> what? I know, but he's so true. He's so right. Why would you go again? Why yeah. would you do this? But yeah, we know why would you island. return? Yeah. No, but also, uh, keep making films. <laughs> yeah, no, I, keep, keep, keep bringing it on. I mean, can you name any other dinosaur-related blockbusters? Uh, yes. The Land That Time Forgot fucking ages ago. Do you remember that one? Was it just called Dinosaur? That one that was like, in the 1990s was an animated one I can't remember what it was about there was it no but I mean live action oh live action no, I can't I think of any can't others. think of any live and action one so it, it's not a saturated market no there, are, there is room for dinosaur related films yeah and everyone loves a bit I think the problem is that Jurassic Park is a monopoly I, but, you, but yeah. you can tell different stories Jurassic Park as a dinosaur story is the classic dinosaur story but it's actually a very niche dinosaur telling, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's more about the park, the park, and these genetic genetic clones of dinosaurs. In the natural dinosaurs themselves, exactly. And so you yeah. could do a live one. Yeah. I tell you what, I'll, I'll, before we give our ratings to the film, I'll leave you with a fun fact that I found, like literally right before we came on with this podcast. Um, I was watching this kind of like sort of documentary thing about the making of the Jurassic Park films, and there's this scientist. I think she's like a paleontologist. And she was saying that in real life, 65 million years ago, velociraptors don't look anything like they look in this film. They're apparently the size of turkeys and they're covered in feathers. What? But like, how is that going to sell films? That's not terrifying at all, is wow. it? And this franchise from the get-go has kind of based itself around velociraptors being the iconic dinosaur and the thing that they kind of like mold their stories with. But imagine if they, imagine if they reshot it all. Or imagine if they they kind of like they made it more accurate in the final film, and the velociraptors were just, just a turkey. turkeys running around, <laughs> like napping at people's legs and yeah. knees. I I bring you the velociraptor. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we're a bit mad there. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> anyway, are you, like give it an overall rating. Five point five. Okay, is my one. I think I enjoyed it. 
um, I, I struggle with part two and I have real problems with um, the silly action-ness yeah. of it. All right. I'm going to give it a six. Fair. Because I think that the first half is really terrific. I really, really enjoyed it, even if it doesn't have the same suspenseful impact as the original series. Um, I also think that it opens it up in quite a dynamic way for the next film. I think mm. I, I have no idea what's going to happen with the next film. And I think that's very interesting. Yeah, It's not just going to be like, ooh, there's another new park that's opened or ooh, there's another genetically bred dinosaur. No, because like, everything's it, been based ev on that island. Everything is kind of out in the open now. The dinosaurs are literally out amongst people. Like the massive Saurus or whatever it's called, you see a shot of it like sneaking up on some surfers, don't you, in yeah, a wave? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that'll be really interesting. I'd like to see where they go with it. Six out of ten. Six out of ten. That makes sense. So... What are we reviewing in week four, William? In week four, we are reviewing Hereditary, which I'm terrified about. I'm so scared about covering this film. I, I have never been a... It's not that I've not been a fan of scary movies. I'm just a bit of a wuss. It's also, <laughs> it, it's also that reviews are already out for it and they're saying it is one of the most terrifying films ever made. Mm. And I haven't seen anyone that's been disappointed by this film. Whether people give it a good overall rating or not, they undeniably say like it's it's stuck with me. It's chilling. It's not just a jump scare film. It really is quite haunting and very psychological, which yeah. which I love. That's right up my alley. I am definitely nervous about going to see it in the cinema. Yeah, because if you see it on the, on a TV or a DVD, you can just walk away or pause whenever yeah. you want to. But and, and you can have the lights on. Yeah, me and Jake might be holding hands throughout the whole show thing. Yeah, yeah. But no, we'll be covering Hereditary next week. Um, we sh we'll, we'll be aiming to get it out on Wednesday or Thursday like we're doing. I think that's our weekly plan at the moment, Wednesdays or Thursdays for uploads. Um, massive, massive thank you to everyone that's followed us on Instagram so far yep. at 52 Week Film Project. Um, we've had a really nice time interacting with some of you guys. Really, really cool to see on our anchor that we're getting some plays through Apple. We've we're on a few different things now as well, like Radio Box and Overcast. Stitcher, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and hopefully, give it a couple more weeks, and we will be on Spotify. Fingers crossed. Um, Let's see if we can get accepted. Yeah, we did get. We also this week we got featured on Anchor, which is really, really cool. We're on one of their featured lists, which hopefully means that a few more of you will hear it. Um, please, please, please. Feel free to email us with some feedback or things you might want us to cover. 52weekfilmproject at gmail.com yeah. and leave a review wherever you watch it. Please Listen do. It, we, really, we really would love some feedback on this. We, we're doing it. We're loving it. We're really enjoying it so far. We just want to make it a product that we're happy with and you're happy That with. people are going to enjoy. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Thank you very much, Will. Thank you very much, Jake. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye.